0: Christ is Risen! Welcome to Ukrainian American Orthodox Voices, a podcast for the stories of Ukrainian Americans, your friends and neighbors, the impact the war with Russia is having on them here and now, and how Orthodoxy informs their experiences. My name is Richard Barrett. Today we'll hear from Father John Cherist of St. Peter and Paul Ukrainian Orthodox Church in Carnegie, Pennsylvania. Father John has a deeply personal connection to the Ukrainian crisis that he talks about in our interview, and I'm really thankful that he took the time to tell us about it. I'll note that he and I recorded this interview on April 11th, 2022, the Monday before Orthodox Holy Week, and I'm releasing this episode on May 18th, 2022. I got sick just a couple of days after this recording, and then it was Holy Week and Easter, and I've been digging out since. So apologies to all for the delay. Without further ado, here is Father John. Tell me your name, please.
1: Father John Sharist. I'm in Carnegie, Pennsylvania. I am the pastor or priest of Saints Peter and Paul Ukrainian Orthodox Church. I snuck in just before COVID. So I'm coming into my fourth year. So I had one normal year here. Uh, And then the following year, uh, you know, Pascha was was not normal. Great Lent was not normal. Um, And then the year after was rebuilding. And now uh, it's still a little abnormal because we're getting an influx of people are curious of, of what it means to be Ukrainian. People are coming to check us out because mm-hmm. we have that on our, our sign. Um, and then people are returning, saying, wow, you know what, I, I need God in this. Um, so we're getting an influx of new people. And it's, it's really been an interesting ride to, to learn who my parishioners were, um, try to minister to them without being in contact with them, and now bringing in new people and making sure everything blends. Uh, so in that short amount of time, I, I feel like a lot has happened. I mean, maybe other priests are laughing at me saying, oh, you rookie. But <laughs> that's what it feels like for me as a rookie. So our parish is one—it's going to be 120 years old in 2023. So next year. And I say that because I don't know when people are going to listen to this. So in 2023, we'll be 120 years old. Um, and, and I'm the first priest who can't speak Ukrainian fluently. Um, So we're we're moving toward, you know, like a fourth generation of people uh, and and English is is our our main language that we use. We do about 10% of the liturgy in in Ukrainian. um, And on the first Sunday of the month, we we bump that up to about 20%. Um, We're only about 90 people in our parish, um, maybe 15 are are new immigrants. Um, So that's where the Ukrainian language comes in. They all speak English um, and they blend in nicely with us. um, But our, our demographic is, is mostly people who have grown up in the parish or married in. Um, and it, it's a, a neat blend because that married in um, almost makes up about half at this point. Mm. Um, we, we've got marriages coming up now and, and I don't think anyone is marrying uh, someone who grew up Orthodox Christian, if, I, if I'm thinking correctly, of all the people. We have a little bit of a wedding marathon coming up. I have seven weddings. Uh, in one year after not having served any in my first three years here.
0: How has the current crisis had an impact on, on your parish, on your community?
1: On the, on the parish and the community. Everybody wants, and I think this is a natural human uh, response, uh, we, we want control of it somehow. Um, and because we're left here not able to do anything, uh, we're, we're searching for that. So our parish started collecting physical goods. Um, we just sent out our biggest shipment of 24,000 pounds of goods off to Poland and Ukraine, um, and that, that was a good response, that was a good outlet for people. Um, the Ukrainian Catholic Church up the street um, and I wanted to do stuff together for this and give people that outlet, so every Tuesday we alternate sites and we do a moleben service. Um, To the mother of God for peace in Ukraine and that that's been good for the community too because, you know, not everybody can bring donations or continue to do it. Um, So being able to pray every Tuesday coming together is is a good thing for the community we just had and i'm really proud of her uh, an 11th grader um, put together a service for all the children who were killed in Ukraine. And I was a little embarrassed when she asked me, can we do this? And embarrassed that it wasn't my idea first. You know, what? why is the priest not thinking of these things? But I'm really proud of her. Um, and, it, and it put into the spotlight that we also can't forget the kids in this. Um, so we had an event where it was a national event for, for the kids to speak with our Archbishop Daniel. Um, and it was interesting to hear how they were dealing with it in high school. I forgot what it was like to be. And, and like this is jovial, a dumb high school kid, right, where you you act out and you, you say things for attention and you really don't mean them or think them through. And that's what I mean by dumb, like you just mm-hmm. don't think them through. And to hear what some of the people were saying to these kids was like, wow, I forgot what it was like to be in high school. And that is hurtful. And if you tried to stand up to them in front of people, it would get worse for you um and, and which is christ-like right he tells us to reprimand or he did it to his uh, disciples aside he pulled them aside you know and, and he answered their questions why couldn't we cast up the demon you know aside from the crowds and uh i i encourage the teenagers to either tell these people uh, aside from the crowd you know what it's really like and, and everything um or or to tell a safe adult um but without that event i don't think i would have realized what's going on with them Um, Our community, I'm getting phone calls all the time. I'd apologize to you in our our pre-conversation that the phone might go off, Um, but I'd say one in seven phone calls that I get during the day is a counseling call, um, Mm -hmm. which ends up just people talking to me and not knowing how to deal with this. They first want to donate and, and then they'll tell their story of either how they're connected to it or how they just can't stand what's going on. Um, I know one one other priest early on when he was getting a lot of phone calls um, set up an answering service and he said, "Look, I can put you on the same answering service. It won't cost you anything." But I, I and I don't mean to say that his choice was wrong, but I feel obligated to answer these calls and and do that one out of seven counseling because um, because people are affected by it when I mean, you don't know what trauma it brings up for them or just that it bursts their bubble of, of bliss being naive uh, that this can happen.
0: Are there personal connections between your parish and Ukraine directly that, that, are, that are having an impact on your community right now?
1: A major impact? No, uh, most of our parishioners who are immigrants and still have family over there are from Western Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as I know, as of today, everybody's family is safe. Um, and, and doing some part in, in helping eastern Ukraine um, with either housing people or offering assistance to drive them and get them places or, or resources. Um, but, you know, of course, the mentality is there. You know, we just feel so broken. And they're watching these cities that they visit uh, just be destroyed. Uh, and, and that's hard to do. Um I, my wife and I were in the middle of adopting children. um, And so that's been my personal thing with it. Uh, The the children were in Kiev with a foster family. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, it's easy to sit here in America and tell them or or wonder what they should be doing. um, And they weren't to our uh, liking, getting out fast enough. They were, they were hoping to ride it out. um, And finally when the kids school got hit um, that, was enough to make them realize it's not safe for us here. So did I say they were in a foster family?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um so the foster family decided to move. And since then, just last week, the school has been completely destroyed. Um and that's within walking distance of their house. So the house could be next. Um it's hard for them to see. Um but they're they're out and they're safe. Uh but that it's hard to see too when they showed us pictures of just just the windows blown out on the school um was was really hard because that you know that was a more of a a connection and i realized other things are happening that are worse than than just the building being destroyed but when you have a connection to something it it hits home better or harder they are safe now they're outside of munster in germany okay Um, they're waiting uh i think for their second covid shot so that or vaccine so that they can go to school um, in Germany. And uh, so they, they were in Kiev, the capital, and they their Russian is very good. Uh, so they're going to go to a Russian speaking school in Germany uh, for a couple of weeks and then transfer it to a German speaking one, which is kind of fascinating that that even exists. But the, uh, the oldest girl of the three that we were going to adopt um, does really well with English. Mm-hmm. And so the I call her the host mom of, of the place where they're staying, speaks in English to her. And then she translates it into Russian or Ukrainian for the rest of the family. So they all understand what's going on. Um, and the funniest time was we were on the phone with them once while this was happening. And so I, I understand the English aspect of it. And I'm hearing mm-hmm. translations and I'm like, hey, Vika, like way to go. You, your English is phenomenal. You were totally translating. And you could have just copped out and said, well, here, hold on. My, my American mom is on the phone. Let her translate from English into Ukrainian for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But she took it on and she did well with it
0: are you, are you hopeful that you'll be able to restart the adoption process when all this is over?
1: So with them, it is difficult. Um, the, because they're in a foster family, uh, the Ukrainian law was, I don't know what is going to happen with, with the, the war, but Mm -hmm. it was that they had to be put back into the adoption of the orphanage system so that they could be officially adopted.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and, the kids are getting older. The two girls are uh, twelve and thirteen, and they they really were like, "Well, we we don't want to go into an orphanage." Mm-hmm. And it could have been a day, a week, a year. You know, paperwork mm-hmm. is just miserable. We've been at this adoption for years now, um, so they they were really scared about about that, and uh, they expressed to us they didn't want to do it. And that's the only way. So that adoption technically failed. Mm. Um, we, we are approved to adopt when they, when adoptions open again. We're approved to adopt three children from ages two to, I think, 15. Um, but with this war, I don't know what's going to happen. If, uh, you know, if there's no orphanage to go to, maybe just being, quote, in the system would open things up and, and, mm-hmm. and it all works out that that's the prayer, but I am also trying to be realistic too, to not get my hopes up again. Um, It it hurt. And there was a grieving process when we found out this one failed because we've had a lot of interaction with these children. They've, they've come here to Pennsylvania. They've got bedrooms and beds set up clothes and drawers. Mm -hmm. They stayed with us when we were in Chicago, several times. Um, We went on a big family trip to Disney world. You know, we we know these kids well, it's not a blind adoption that we, we just saw a picture and we're hoping to go to an orphanage and meet them. You know, we, we speak their language, we interact with them. Um, and so that, that was really hard and I'm trying not to get my hopes up, but of course it's there. You, 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 yeah. You, you hope for something.
0: <clears throat> right. That's heartbreaking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lord have mercy. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I, I think like so many things we, we went into this thinking it was going to be easy, just like a newlywed couple thinks. Oh yeah. We'll have kids when we're ready. Cause that'll just happen. <laughs> You know, and, and they don't realize that's that's not how it works. Um, right. In constant couples now, I, I try to prepare them for it. Hey, that's that's not how it works.
0: How has the war and the response to it changed the landscape for Ukrainians and Ukrainian Americans in this country who maybe have been involved in non- uoc parishes to the extent that uoc at least to my perception is not as thickly settled a network in this country as oca for example um you know it 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 seems to me that there, at least in the past i have run into more ukrainians who have not been at ukrainian parishes than who have been at ukrainian parishes and how do you see this kind of changing things for those ukrainian americans if at all you know what's what's that situation like now
1: No, I I think that's going to be similar to uh, the language where so many Ukrainians who can and normally speak Russian, even our our president Zelensky, um, Mm -hmm. are really working hard to speak Ukrainian. Um, And I think those Ukrainians who maybe slip through the cracks and and aren't going to church or weren't going to church are going to find their way back to that community um, because it's going to feel normal and they need something that feels normal right now. Um, you know, as they're switching from that Russian to Ukrainian language as as a very intentional choice, I think they're intentionally going to find their way back to a Ukrainian parish um, where they get the support that they need, where they can grieve with other people who know, you know, what those cities are that are coming up on the news. You know, so many people are hearing them for the first time, but these people have been there um, and and still have contacts over there. So I I, I think that's what's going to happen. It's also my hope, um, because I think it's a great a safe place for people to come to.
0: What's, what do you think the impact is going to be for the, the UOC, US, USA, more broadly speaking, what, what are, what are kind of the short-term and long-term effects that this is, that this is going to have?
1: I, I think short-term, um, we, we need to be ready for that influx of people, um, with Pasca coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're going to see many more people on, on that big feast and, and hopefully, priests are preparing to to address that crowd, um, to have something bilingual, if if they're English speakers, um, and really make those people comfortable and preparing their parishioners to say, look, I expect a lot of guests. Um, This is not just our home. This is the community's church. Please make them feel welcome, um, that they can come back. And and it's not about membership or dues or money, um, but that it's a safe place and it is a big community. Um, So much can happen in that first impression of a parish where it's well i usually sit here or excuse me do, you know like it you can throw someone off if to not coming back in the simplest way because it takes a lot of courage to enter into a church especially if you've been absent for a while um and it doesn't take much to to make you not want to come back so in short term i think i hope other priests are preparing for that kind of thing preparing their parishioners mm-hmm. um, as well as themselves for that um, and then to continue to minister to their people. Um, because you don't want your regulars to be uh, felt like they're second class all of a sudden that all oh, these new shiny things are coming in and we need to pay a lot of attention to them. Um, but instead, incorporating the right amount of language into the service, if you're not already um, mm-hmm. doing that, and, and paying attention to them. And long term, um, I, I hope uh, parishes are not going to divide if if they're, you know, mostly an English parish and they're bringing in a lot of Ukrainian speakers um, you know, I don't like to see two liturgies. I know that that happens at some places, but um, it's never good. Coffee mm-hmm. hours is the second liturgy, right? The second Thanksgiving where that people come uh, and have social time together, which is so important.
0: One of the people I spoke to here in Boston said that their their parish here is really having to prepare for an influx of refugees coming to 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 their community coming to their parish is that something you're looking at having to to deal with in carnegie
1: we are we're we're hopeful that a lot of refugees will settle here Mm -hmm. Uh, again our community has been fantastic reaching out um asking us how they can help or offering either a room or a vacant house um and so i've got a spreadsheet going well i don't have it going i one of my contacts has the spreadsheet going i pass information on to him um and, and when people start settling in um we'll we'll talk to these contacts and, and, and let them know, you know, people are ready to come, but in the few people that I've been able to talk to outside of email, when we have a real conversation, I warn them uh, that this is for the long haul. This Mm -hmm. isn't a weekend guest or two weeks that you're going to have somebody. This is a group of people coming who are broken, have different uh, cultural aspects to their life. I didn't say that correctly, but um, it's a different culture. So when my family, when the kids would come to visit us uh, from Ukraine, um, one of the cultural things that bothered me was that they throw their toilet paper in the trash instead of flushing it. And, and I understand it, right? I've been mm-hmm. to Ukraine um, and, and when I'm there, you know, as when in Rome, you, you do what they, they do. But imagine if I didn't love them like family, if mm-hmm. I thought I was just doing a good thing. And now I'm frustrated to con- constantly find toilet paper in the trash it gets old quickly, among other things, right? Leaving cups out, invading my space, you know, not cleaning the drain, whatever it is, I'm eating the food that my leftovers in the fridge. This is the kind of stuff that's going to happen. And so I want people to understand this is probably one to two years that they could stay with you before they either get their own place or, you know, the biggest hope is go back. Um, but you have to be prepared for that. And some people are taken aback like, Oh, well, father, I never thought of that. And I said, well, please consider it. Um, It's it's not going to be easy. And and so I hope they are uh, in in that. But we're planning for refugees to come. Um, We also understand it's going to be a while. Um, So I'm on a a call every Thursday with a couple of representatives' offices. uh, And what they were telling us is that the process is going to be expedited for people to come. So it'll be less than 24 months. And all of us on the Zoom call, we're, were waiting like, okay, well, what does that mean? And they said, less than 24 months so we said okay so it could be 18 it could be 20 and they were kind of like smirking like yeah well that's the government
0: your your own heritage is ukrainian
1: yes yeah okay. I'm, I'm half french canadian half ukrainian my wife is 100 ukrainian she's first generation american and her parents story is interesting because uh they fled ukraine uh during a, a war and her dad spent time in germany just like our kids are spending time in germany and um, her mom was born in a labor camp. Mm. Uh, so she was made in Ukraine and then born in Germany because that's how her family was fleeing, which is the story being told now. So many people are fleeing and they're being born in other countries because of this conflict. So uh, it, it hits home knowing those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, that's, that's my, my heritage is Ukrainian.
0: What generation are you? I'm third generation. Okay
1: which means okay. my language is pretty terrible.
0: <laughs> right. When various media stories about the current war try to talk about the orthodox dimensions of what's going on, what are what would you contribute to that conversation? What do you see as the orthodox piece in in the invasion? And what maybe might Western media sources not get that they that they need to get
1: so i have been getting a lot of interviews and at the end the reporters typically ask is there anything i didn't ask you is there anything you'd like to add Mm -hmm. Um, and from the i guess more christian standpoint than just orthodox i always add um, please add something in your story or or quote me saying that we don't need to turn into a russia phobia Um, asians were getting punched randomly because of covid Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter if they were Chinese or Vietnamese, Laotian, like just if you looked Asian, you got punched. Mm -hmm. And that was awful. And I don't want that to happen to Russians. I already know some of my friends that it's happening to. Um, They speak and someone wants to sympathize and say, oh, your accent. Where's that from? And that my Russian friends will will kind of clam up and say, well, you know, I I was born in Moscow and then people get very cold very quickly. And, And instead of saying like, Oh wow, this must be tough for you to see, you know, the things on the news, um, and and just leave it at that, you know. I know they wanted to to sympathize, so I, I try to ask the media to make sure we're doing our uh, part and voicing that we don't need more hate and more hurt in this situation. Mm-hmm. This hurts enough. There's yeah. enough bad things going on. Um, from an orthodox perspective, uh, a more orthodox perspective, I I like to mention uh, to people that Patriarch Kirill. Uh, signed up to be a martyr. And what I mean by that is if I was hearing someone's confession and then 20 minutes later was threatened to get beat up, shot, killed, whatever, or reveal the confession, I'd have to get beat up, shot, or killed, or whatever, and I wouldn't reveal the confession. And that's what I signed up for when I accepted the priesthood. Mm -hmm. I, I, I knew what I was getting into. And so people say, well, he's scared to speak out. Yeah, it can be scary, but he needs to. Um, this is, is not an orthodox thing. War is never good. Um, you know, in Ukraine, they're on the defensive, and, and that is different. I think people need to, to fight defensively. Um, but Kirill needs to stand up. He, he's a, a, you know, a big part of Russia, and he has Putin's ear. Um, And he needs to make a stand like so many other Russians and end up in jail for what he says. And and he did sign up for this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm uh, upset that he's he's afraid of Putin and afraid of losing power. Um, he, He needs to stand up and do what
0: he was called to do. How can people help? How can people listening to this do something?
1: So for me, this answer is so uncomfortable because I never like to ask for money. Um, like in the pulpit or, or like we're doing now, mm-hmm. um, but financially supporting is, is the best way. Sure. Um, because it gets items to the people who need it fastest. Um, and it's the most effective. So I, I said earlier, we sent over 24,000 pounds of goods, mm-hmm. which sounds really impressive and it's super cool. It costs uh, just over $12,000 to send it, which means we got a great deal. Um, but we sent it by ship because that was the best way to do it financially. We're being stewards of the money that has come in. Um, but think about if I buy a bottle of water for a dollar Now we didn't send water, it's just, it's too heavy mm-hmm. and, and it wastes time. But imagine if I sent a dollar bottle of water, it costs me a, another dollar to send it. Um, mm-hmm. and it's going to take a while to get there. Shouldn't I have just sent the $2.00? instantly through a mm-hmm. wire transfer and let them buy the water mm-hmm. um, so the best way people can help is um first by by donating finances um, and then next by not forgetting um, we're already you know the first two weeks of the war it was the only headline out there and i understand other things are happening um, and that's that's going to happen but don't forget that this is happening um, mm-hmm. please continue to tune in and let your your news agencies know you want to know what's happening you want to know, you know, how many cities are lost, how many people are dead, because those are real people; those are sons and daughters, those are mothers and fathers, um, and we need to see Christ in those people and, and mourn them. Uh, so mm-hmm. please don't
0: forget. And if you if you're able to, please donate financially. What avenues do you recommend for financial support?
1: Our parish or our church's website, uocofusa.org, mm-hmm. um, has has a link to donate there. Uh, I don't know if this is a national group. There's one uh, group called Brothers Brother. Um, It might just be out in this area, but they're doing some fantastic work. Um, I know they petitioned to one of the hospitals for equipment and they sent an x-ray machine over to Ukraine. Um, So they're they're working with a bigger budget on a bigger scale, Um, but people can can donate to them too because they're doing such good work and it's getting there quickly. Um, When we were collecting... Our, it took us like a week to pack everything up and then get it just to New Jersey to then get on a ship and in that one week time they got this extra machine flown to de Gaulle, France and driven from France all the way into Ukraine.
0: Hmm.
1: Like wow, you guys are good. Yeah. <laughs> You're very good. So all right.
0: I'll, I'll link to them in the show notes.
1: Okay great. thank you.
0: The invasion finally happened on February 24th, which was, two days before Forgiveness Sunday, and now here we are, we're recording this the Monday before Palm Sunday. You know, it doesn't seem like an accident to me that this is happening during Lent. What can we remember about this as, you know, as we finish Lent and as we go into Holy Week and as we look forward to to Easter? What What are things we can take from the liturgical cycle that maybe can help us understand and and relate to what's going on.
1: My my first instinct is to to mention the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. And and what that means, how are the, the poor in spirit blessed? Because when your spirit is crushed, when you think there is nothing for you, you have only to reach out to God and say, Lord have mercy. And so many of us are crushed at this point, wondering, God, how can this happen? Why are you letting this happen? And so we are poor in spirit. And and in that is a blessing because we're reaching out to God, maybe rekindling a relationship or maybe struggling with some things that we weren't looking at before. Um, so it's important to us to, to be crushed, you know, just like the alcoholic has to hit rock bottom before he can recover. Um, we too have to be crushed before we can fully embrace our Lord and submit ourselves to him. Um, that big question though, of why is God letting this happen? Um, that's that's the way we need to phrase this he is letting it happen right this is not god's will and people can confuse the two that god wanted this to happen and, and we, we use that language sometimes saying oh it was it was god called you home it was your time and, and and that is a comfort when there's a tragic accident but that wasn't god's will either um god simply allowed it to happen uh because he also allows us to have free will if, if we want him to intervene then we also have to give up our free will and let him control everything. Um, unfortunately, I, I have some sins that I, I continue to bring to confession every time I go because I can't give them up. Um, if, if I could give up my sins, I could stop this war. I, I could call down God, but I, I can't. I, I, I'm such a sinner, and, and I struggle so much that I can't just call down, um, for, you know, say to this mountain, move into the sea. I, I don't have that. So we, we do have this great sense of anticipation Um, even this Saturday, uh, before Palm Sunday, we'll have, we'll be in white vestments and and we'll see a resurrection just prior to our Lord's, And it gives us hope that, wow, this, this can, this can move forward. We can live and that it's okay to have feelings. I think we all know so well, you know, we, we use it as trivia. What's the shortest line in the Bible? Oh, Jesus wept. We're going to hear that on Saturday and Mm -hmm. we're going to internalize that, wow, it, it is okay for me to feel rotten. St. Paul didn't say, let us not grieve. He said, let's not grieve like those who have no hope. So we can grieve. Um, and, and so we have a little bit of anticipation. We have a comfort knowing that we can feel this way. Um, and then we have to realize that even though we'll be in the Paschal season, in a joyful season, um, we're still looking to the anticipation for when this is over. This will not go on forever. Um, and we will we'll rebuild Um, On a personal note, I am very nervous uh, for POSCA services to take place in Ukraine. Um, I think a lot of people will come because they need that comfort, but it puts a target on them. Uh, Putin is not making good choices, um, sound choices, uh, and and I think it's a good military strategy for him uh, to attack those churches on Pascha when they're full of faithful people. Um, and he's hit churches and he's hit so many other things that, are, that should have been off limits. Uh, I, I'm nervous for the people. I don't want them to stay away from from Pascha. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to commune with them uh, uh, on that day, but I'm so nervous. Is there anything else you want to add? Um, you know, you asked that and I had already said my part okay. about not making this any worse um, by condemning anybody who is from Russia, and even the people who are supporting Russia and the war here in America, the, please understand they are, are reading into the propaganda also, mm-hmm. and it's not worth fighting with them. Um, if, if there's a way to gently direct them, then, then do it, but online forums are the worst. You know, if you're if you're going to encounter opposition on the Internet, it's really not worth your time. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not going to change anybody's uh, opinion. And it reminds me of that cartoon of the wife in the bedroom saying to the husband, aren't you coming to bed? And he says, yeah, just one more minute. There's someone on the Internet who's wrong. Yes. <laughs> um, and he'll never make it to bed.
0: <laughs> well, Father John, this was terrific. Thank you very, very much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Good strength for Holy Week and for Easter. Thanks, you too. (laughs) All right. Thank you once again to Father John for being willing to come on the show. I have put in the show notes all the ways to help that he mentioned. Please do what you can. You've been listening to Ukrainian American Orthodox Voices, and my name is Richard Barrett. For feedback, questions, and suggestions on Twitter, I'm at Richard R. Barrett, and you can reach me via email at Richard Barrett at johnofdamascus.org. Thank you very much for listening. Good strength, God bless, and Christ is risen.